Chapter 2 The Life of St. Teresa of Jesus of the Order of Our Lady of Carmel Written by herself, St. Teresa of Avila This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Life of St. Teresa of Jesus of the Order of Our Lady of Carmel Translated from the Spanish by David Lewis What I shall now speak of was, I believe, the beginning of great harm to me. I often think of how wrong it is of parents not to be very careful that their children should always, and in every way, see only that which is good. For though my mother was, as I have just said, so good herself, nevertheless, I, when I came to the use of reason, did not derive so much good from her as I ought to have done. Almost none at all and the evil I learned did me much harm. She was very fond of books of chivalry, but this pastime did not hurt her so much as it hurt me, because she never wasted her time on them. Only we, her children, were left at liberty to read them, and perhaps she did this to distract our thoughts from her great sufferings and to occupy her children, that they might not go astray in other ways. It annoyed my father so much that we had to be careful he never saw us. I contracted a habit of reading these books, and this little fault which I observed in my mother was the beginning of lukewarmness in my good desires, and the occasion of my falling away in other respects. I thought there was no harm in it when I wasted many hours, night and day, in so vain an occupation, even when I kept it a secret from my father. So completely was I mastered by this passion that I thought I could never be happy without a new book. I began to make much of dress, to wish to please others by my appearance. I took pains with my hands and my hair, used perfumes and all vanities within my reach, and they were many, for I was very much given to them. I had no evil intention because I never wished anyone to offend God for me. This fastidiousness of excessive neatness lasted some years, and so also did other practices, which I thought then were not at all sinful. Now I see how wrong all this must have been. I had some cousins, for into my father's house no others were allowed an entrance. In this he was very cautious, and would to God had he been cautious about them. For I see now the danger of conversing at an age when virtue should begin to grow with persons who, knowing nothing themselves of the vanity of the world, provoke others to throw themselves into the midst of it. These cousins were nearly of mine own age, a little older perhaps. We were always together, and they had a great affection for me. In everything that gave them pleasure, I kept the conversation alive listened to the stories of their affections and childish follies, good for nothing. And what was still worse, my soul began to give itself up to that which was the cause of all its disorders. If I were to give advice, I would say to parents that they ought to be very careful whom they allow to mix with their children when young. 
for much mischief thence ensues, and our natural inclinations are unto evil rather than unto good. So it was for me. For I had a sister much older than myself, from whose modesty and goodness, which were great, I learned nothing. And I learned every evil from a relative who was often in the house. She was so light and frivolous that my mother took great pains to keep her out of the house, as if she foresaw the evil I should learn from her. But she could not succeed, there being so many reasons for her coming. I was very fond of this person's company, gossiped and talked with her, for she helped me in all the amusements I liked, and, what is more, found some for me, and communicated to me her own conversations and her vanities. Until I knew her, I mean until she became friendly with me and communicated to me of her own affairs, I was then about fourteen years old, a little more, I think. I do not believe that I turned away from God and mortal sin or lost the fear of Him, though I had a greater fear of disgrace. This latter fear had such sway over me that I never wholly forfeited my good name, and as to that, there was nothing in the world for which I would have bartered it, and nobody in the world I liked well enough who could have persuaded me to do it. Thus, I might have had the strength never to do anything against the honor of God, as I had it by nature not to fail in that wherein I thought the honor of the world consisted. And I never observed that I was failing in many other ways. In vainly seeking after it, I was extremely careful. But in the use of the means necessary for preserving it, I was utterly careless. I was anxious only not to be lost altogether. This friendship distressed my father and sister exceedingly. They often blamed me for it. But as they could not hinder that person from coming into the house, all their efforts were in vain, for I was very careful in doing anything that was wrong. Now and then, I am amazed at the evil one bad companion can do. Nor could I believe it if I did not know it by experience, especially when we are young. Then is it that the evil must be greatest. Oh, that parents would take warning by me and look carefully to this. So it was. The conversation of this person so changed me that no trace was left in my soul's natural disposition to virtue, and I became a reflection of her and of another who was given to the same kind of amusements. I know from this the great advantage of good companions, and I am certain that if it that tender age I had been thrown among good people, I should have persevered in virtue. For if at that time I had found anyone to teach me the fear of God, my soul would have grown strong enough not to fall away. Afterwards, when the fear of God had utterly departed from me, the fear of dishonor alone remained and was a torment to me in all I did. When I thought that nobody would ever know, I ventured among many things that were neither honorable nor pleasing unto God. In the beginning, these conversations did me harm. I believe so. The fault was perhaps not hers, but mine, 
For afterwards my own wickedness was enough to lead me astray, together with the servants about me, whom I found ready enough for all evil. If any one of these had given me good advice, I might have perhaps profited by it. But they were blinded by interest, as I was by passion. Still, I was never inclined to much evil, for I hated naturally anything dishonorable, but only to the amusement of a pleasant conversation. The occasion of sin, however, being a present danger, was at hand, and I exposed it to my father and brothers. God delivered me out of it all, so that I should not be lost in a manner visibly against my will, yet not so secretly as to allow me to escape without the loss of my good name and the suspicions of my father. I had not spent, I think, three months in these vanities when they took me to the monastery in the city where I lived, in which children like myself were brought up, though their life was not so wicked as mine. This was done with the utmost concealment of the true reason, which was known only to myself and one of my kindred. They waited for an opportunity which would make the change seem nothing out of the way, for as my sister was married, it was not fitting I should remain alone without a mother in the house. So excessive was my father's love for me, and so deep my dissembling, that he would never believe me to be so wicked as I was, and hence I was never in disgrace with him. Though some remarks were made, yet as the time had been short, nothing could be positively asserted, and as I was so much afraid about my good name, I had taken every care to be secret, and yet I never considered that I could conceal nothing from him who seeth all things. Oh, my God, what evil is done in the world by disregarding this, and thinking that anything can be kept secret that is done against thee. I am quite certain that great evils would be avoided if we clearly understood that what we have to do is not to be on our guard against men, but on our guard against displeasing thee. For the first eight days, I suffered much, but more from the suspicion that my vanity was known than from being in the monastery, for I was already weary of myself, and though I offended God, I never ceased to have a great fear of him and contrived to go to confession as quickly as I could. I was very uncomfortable, but within eight days, I think sooner, I was much more contented than I had been in my father's house. All the nuns were pleased with me, for our Lord had given me the grace to please everyone, wherever I might be. I was therefore made much of in the monastery, though at this time I hated to be a nun, yet I was delighted at sight of nuns so good, for they were very good in that house very prudent, observant of the rule, and recollected. Yet, for all this, the devil did not cease to tempt me, and people in the world sought means to trouble my rest with messages and presents. As this could not be allowed, it was soon over, and my soul began to return to the good habits of my earlier years, and I recognized the great mercy of God to those whom he places among good people. It seems as if his majesty had sought, and sought again, how to convert me to himself. Blessed be thou, O Lord, for having 
born with me, so long. Amen. Where if not for my many faults, there was some excuse for me, I think, in this, that the conversation I shared in was with one who, I thought, would do well in the estate of matrimony. And I was told by my confessors, and others also, whom in many points I consulted, used to say that I was not offending God. One of the nuns slept with us who were seculars, and through her it pleased our Lord to give me light, as I shall now explain. 